I just want to take a couple of minutes to talk about one of the sponsors of our podcast, and that is 503 Sports. 503 Sports is a site very well known for their throwback merchandise for a multitude of leagues, whether it be, for example, the World League of American Football, the World Football League, or in our case, the Arena Football League. I mean, if you're looking for any type of throwback merchandise from those teams that don't exist anymore, whether it be shirts, caps, customizable jerseys that you can get your own name and number, Detroit Drive, San Jose Sabercats, what? They're the place that has them. And just for our listeners of the podcast, they have a special offer just for you. If you use the promo code ARENAFAN, when you check out, you'll get 10% off your very first order. So head over to 503-sports.com, use the promo code ARENAFAN, get 10% off, and you want to thank them for being a sponsor of AFL Tonight. Welcome to AFL Tonight, ArenaFan.com's weekly look at everything arena football. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with uh, Ben Fertinale and John Stark. What up? How are you guys? How you doing? It's a ah, good week. Doing absolutely phenomenally well. Feeling healthy. My blood is all inside my body. I mean, all things <laughs> I are would, just going I hope well. so. <laughs> well, it's, you know, you, got, you take that for granted until one day all your blood is outside your body. And it's <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, oopsie whoopsie. Oh, look. My window blood is out. So, you know, it's just sometimes you just got to count your blessings. Look, I'm leaking. Uh, yeah. Um, first, uh, first of all, Ben, props on the release of your new 50 yard short. If anybody hasn't seen it yet, 50 yard, uh, 50 yard shorts, Malachi, make sure you head over to YouTube and do just that. Um, you did. Thank you. you changed it up slightly. We were talking about this before, where you changed it up, where you didn't think there was going to be much of a narrator. I actually think it did. It played off really, really well. And one thing I loved was the music you chose. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. The music was definitely different. Yes, um, it was definitely an interesting. The orchestral accompaniment really was inspiring to me while editing with it. I just sort of. It had me rethinking uh, visuals. And also, you never know with the AFL because with football, you know, players are kind of expecting one thing. Fans mm-hmm. might be expecting another thing with music. And so it was kind of a risk to go super classical orchestral with, with it. But I, I think it actually kind of worked. Um, but thank you for everything you just said. Um, I'm really pleased with, with who's been sort of tweeting out the film. And I think we've gotten good action uh, you know, Ron Jaworski tweeted it out. Um, nice. The commissioner had had uh, responded to something saying he was a pump for it. And uh, Dr. Jen Welter, the uh, first NFL female coach, uh, tweeted it. And, um, really? and TJ Jones, yeah, she, which was awesome. I mean, she's she's like a total legend in my opinion. Uh, she tweeted it out, and and then TJ Jones, which is Malachi's brother, who's yeah. on the Lions. So yeah. there was good, like there was it was cool seeing NFL players commenting on it. Like that was. Something that I've never had. So that was just, uh, it, it felt like I sort of got to the next level in terms of who was able to reach. Because Malachi is such an infectious guy, he knows so many people, he's such an inspiring figure, and he's so well-connected in the football world. And I think that only means great things for him in the future. What was one of the, I know there may be hard to choose just one, but give me one of the comments from an NFL personality that, that uh, rang very true to you. Uh, 
Well, um, the Jen specifically, you know, she's a very inspiring figure in pro football. And for her to say the film was inspiring, you know, that, that's like inspiration on inspiration. I mean, she is someone that I, I look up to in, in terms of someone that's groundbreaking figure in, in pro football. And so that was really cool. And I was totally not expecting that. Um, and then honestly, one of the most fulfilling moments of this whole thing was the day I released it, Malachi was, um, you know, he was finishing up practice. He was with Colin Taylor after practice and I, I dropped the film at, at 2 30 PM and Malachi was like, all right, me and Colin Taylor are in the car right now. Like we'll be back in 15 minutes. We're going to like watch it on the, the movie screen and he hadn't seen it yet. So, you know, it's always sort of an interesting and, and sort of nail biting moment where you've just told someone's life story and pretty intimate detail and you're waiting to hear their reaction to how you mm-hmm, did and portraying mm-hmm. their life. I mean, it's it's a pretty serious thing. And so I felt I did a good job, but also, I, you know, you never really know. And so I was just waiting to sort of hear from him. He, he and Colin Taylor put it on a projector because oh, <laughs> they wanted to watch dude. it, you know, big. And, uh, and then he texted me after, and it was just like the nicest text. I mean, you know, he was just – he really – it really resonated with him. Obviously, it was his story, but – he said it did it justice and that's that's really all i could have asked for was because you know he obviously is such a great person and and uh inspires a lot of people so so to have him feel that it did do him justice was was great to hear has jordan uh the uh, pa uh, the, sorry the the pr guy with the uh, empire said anything about uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> showing it on the, showing it on the screen for the next home game Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, I don't think so just because of how long it is. It's nine minutes. Right. Um, but Hey, pregame he did, fodder, dude. Pre-game. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. He did text me in all caps, I'm famous, oh. and, uh, <laughs> with a screenshot of the credits. So that was amazing. Um, he, he's been great, too. I mean, you know, there was a time in, when the AFL was sort of a little bit more closed off and teams weren't necessarily sharing content that yeah. wasn't directly from them. And, yeah. and Albany has always been you know, and Jordan specifically has always been really supportive and, and, and logical in terms of like, all right, someone just made this thing about our team. Mm-hmm. We should share it. Mm-hmm. And he's very good about that. So I'm, I'm very thankful to him. Yeah. I will admit one last comment about it. And, and that- John, sorry, can I just, I have to also be, you know, say oh. I'm very thankful for John helping me with the interview the day of, you oh, know, for sure. Yes. Getting everything to the interview. I mean, it's, it's really something I could not have done alone. So oh, I, I really- was just about, to, yeah, just about to mention that it's, yeah. it, it was, it was a true collaboration and, yeah. And uh, one of the last things I wanted to mention about the uh, about the music is I love and I, I was like, I know you had to done it on purpose, but changing the credits with every beat of the music oh, yeah. was <laughs> epic. I was like, he did that. I was like, he so did that on purpose, but it worked yes. so well. I love the moment in the credits and it's a very small thing, but I, I pour over every detail. Um after we say, you know, Malachi was invited to train or mini camp and he remains unsigned, but he continues this journey. The way his arms are just like moving up in motion and then it just cuts, to, you know, to the next credit. Yeah. It just is such a, I don't know, something about that is, is like powerful to me in terms of editing. It's just like, it's just, you know, you're clicking with the music and uh, I always, I always do that. And, uh, and, I, and I know this is, this is an AFO related, but I have to at least mention uh, the little Easter egg that you had at the very beginning to, <laughs> to introduce it. Uh, I had to give at least a, 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 a shout out for that. Uh, the Easter egg came from where, and if they wanted to watch that, where would they do so? If you watch the very first shot, uh, very first shot of the post uh, teaser after the first minute, uh, you'll see a little Easter egg that connects this film to the Fraternale Cinematic Universe, um, and you know everything is connected. 
So just keep your eye out for for maybe something on the computer that laptops uh, <laughs> that uh, Malachi is using. Okay. Oh, oh no, I was actually talking about the. Uh, I, I think I just learned then. Oh, okay. I, I was yeah. talking Take, about the you really like the Easter egg I'm talking about. Yeah, no, no. Something. To, I, I, yeah, I'll have to ask you about more about this after the show. What? What? Uh, I'm talking about the Easter egg at the very beginning when it said, this is Fratinelli Films. Oh, well, that is related. Uh, that is the voice of Francis Chow, who was an actor in Lost. And uh, the moment that he recorded that voiceover for me for a different film about Lost, I was like, okay, this is obviously something I just now have to use until the end of time. This is now my my opening credit oh, for sure. like bug. And now, so that's, it sounds so good. I love the way he says it. And, uh, that'll be in front of everything. Now, until by I the way, the Easter egg you talk about, are you talking about the, the thing that Malachi was showing on his laptop? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, it's on the, it's on the laptop itself. It's a very small detail. Yeah, it's on the yeah. back of the laptop. Okay. Yeah. It's during, during the, I've read the very beginning of the interview, right? Yes. Okay. I know you're talking about. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> John, you've been so quiet. <laughs> Sorry, I was using this time to work on some things for us uh, that we discussed. But no, I wanted to say that Ben, uh, Tim, you should be getting that right now. Ben, uh, I appreciate that. Um, I love working with you on these things together. And I was glad I was able to take those behind the scenes photos from from the Malachi documentary. Yes, those are awesome. And um, yeah, it's just it's been a it's been a busy week for me. I, I went to the. Washington Valor game, and we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. And I've just been busy working. Um, literally almost. It's been almost a week since I went to the game well, too. I, I we said, might as well start yeah. with that because you were saying before before we started the, the show is that it, it it just you can't believe it's already been a week because it's very rare that the Arena Football League uh, does have a, a Thursday game. You know, usually they're just one offs, and maybe every few years. I mean, yes, we've had one over the past one over the past two years by Washington in each of the home games. But it, it's I you know it is very strange because we had it we were able to watch stuff on TV for the Thursday game and now we had to wait to, what two more days for more football. It is a little surreal, isn't it? It's just like uh, arena football on Friday uh, on Thursday. What what the what right? Yeah, it's been yeah six days since crazy past. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, let's go ahead and let's talk about the game this week, guys. Um, but before we do, we have a, a little bit of thing we want, want to mention. A little something, something that we did before uh, before the show tonight. Um, we were lucky enough to have not one, but two interviews uh, from uh, from players and from executives from within the league. Uh, we will play both of those uh, interviews uh, in different segments of the show. Uh, but we did speak with. Uh, uh, with uh, Albany Empire wide receiver Quentin Sims, uh, he dropped something on us, and I said, "This is just a teaser, so you'll have to listen." He dropped something on us, and Ben's reaction was priceless. Because <laughs> it was wretching. I think, I think John and I just couldn't say anything because our jaws were on the floor <laughs> when he said this. So you'll have to listen to the interview, and also, uh, we were lucky enough to uh, again. Uh, to have the commissioner of the Arena Football League, Randall Bowe, uh, on the show. Uh, he was able to expound on a few things that we've seen on social media, on a thing, couple of things that uh, John, I know, has, has talked to him before uh, when he was, uh, saw him at the game last, uh, and a few more other things that uh, are really, really relevant to the uh, not only the current Arena Football League, but what is going to be happening uh, in the very near future and uh, I think Ben, you put it uh, perfectly when uh, you, uh, just to paraphrase that things look up 
for the Arena Football League going forward. Um, so uh, as I said, listen to the show uh, all the way through. Uh, you will not regret it. So we talk about the first game that was on the schedule, guys. It was on Thursday. Um, the Baltimore Brigade and the Washington Valor met. Uh, uh, to uh, Each of these teams are really jockeying for uh, for a playoff spot. I mean, this game, if you, if you look at the box score, it was basically the same all the way through, guys, except when you get to the fourth quarter. And it seems recently, guys, that there has been one specific play that has made or <laughs> break a, a few of these games over the past few weeks. And, John, since you were there, I'll go to you on this. What was your thought on how this game was decided for the Washington Valor? I mean, whoa, they finally decided to go for the field goal. That's one. (laughs) Well, yeah, that one is really it for me right there at the end. Oh, man. Uh, I can't believe with Josh Reese, net recovery, four-yard touchdown to to win the game with like 15 seconds left. And it just went – guys, you got to admit, this is what makes arena football so fun. That kick, even though missed, went right off the top of the iron. That was crazy. Yeah. And, Any and, higher, and it would have been a different story. Oh, I know. Uh, clay <laughs> rush rule in effect. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, then what boggled my mind, and, and did you know the guys who were calling the game, uh, and I'm sure you guys too, it was like, wait a minute. Why are the Baltimore players running away from the ball? It was weird. I mean, I don't know. Is that a coaching thing? Uh, they, it didn't appear that they really had any intention of initially playing the ball off of the bar correctly. And then everyone sort of turned around and started leaping for it haphazardly. And it was just sort of, a, it was, it was, it was bizarre. It was like, did anybody not watch the old John Elway NFL and NBC <laughs> game where you need to watch the ball off the nets? I mean, it's, they're live balls, guys. Um, John, what was the, what is, what did you gauge from, from post game from, from what happened? I mean, I know you were there both Baltimore and DC. Uh, how would you, how would you explain how these two teams, how I'm sure how different these two teams felt after the game? Um, well, I think Baltimore left the field pretty fast after you know, the on-field prayer and chatting with everyone. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the feeling I got. They disappeared pretty quick. So I think they were a little upset about losing it. That's a pretty big rivalry now. I mean, and their first game ever was against each other. So that's, that's pretty deep seated. Yeah. And and by the way, if, if for what is with DC and basically these walk off wins this year? I don't know. It's great. I mean, their games are really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, it's weird. I mean, it's this was definitely a game they could have taken by the reins and not, you know, had to worry about this. I mean, Arvell was great on the ground, but you know, I think their their air attack could have been slightly more efficient, and they had their chances. I mean, Shane Boyd wasn't wasn't terrible, but he did make some mistakes, uh, and there was some slight inaccuracies. I mean, this was definitely a game that could have been easily in hand. Yes, but it's more fun this way. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, for the winning Washington Valor, Arvell Nelson was seventeen to twenty nine, only one forty three, one and one. Uh, Desmond, excuse me, sorry, uh, Josh Reese was the leading receiver. Uh, with 56 yards and five receptions. Uh, the only receiving touchdown went to Reggie Gray, um, but uh, R.L. Nelson had nine rushes, 18 yards, four touchdowns. He was trying to relive the arena ball, guys, I think. <laughs> uh, and also, again, that uh, that net recovery 
uh, by Josh Reese. Uh, for the Baltimore Brigade, Shane Boyd was 19 to 34, 184, 4 and 0. Leading receiver was a Brandon Collins with 72 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Milt Williams had nine receptions for 64 and a touchdown. And Joe Hills continues his crazy streak. And I think we're going to be saying this for a long time coming, guys. Uh, he, he reached the milestone of 101 in a row. So and he, he also scored another one later in the game. Um, this, uh, I said, this, uh, this game was just, it, it was a lower scoring game, but it didn't really seem to matter because, uh, obviously with the, uh, the result at the end and how the game ended, it's what, it's what we always love about arena football. So it didn't really matter that the, that the game only scored, uh, a grand total of, uh, of 77 points, uh, moved to Saturday. The Atlanta city blackjacks traveled to the uh, nation's, uh, excuse me, to the, uh, New York capital for the first time to play the Albany empire. And I don't know what it is, guys. Um, was, could this, I don't think we mentioned this last week. I mean, this easily could have been a trap game for the Albany empire, but I don't know what it is about games that we think that Albany should just <laughs> totally run ranshot over some of these teams. They stay in the game. It can get a little scary, can't it, Ben? Yeah, I mean, that's somewhat of a concern in the playoffs. That's kind of what happened last year. <laughs> um, that's exactly what happened in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's, that's concerning from a coaching perspective. You don't want to play down to opponents like this. Uh, not that Atlantic City's bad, and it's not that they're really playing down to them, but to defensively allow them to keep up, to the degree that they did. I mean, Albany was incredible on offense. I mean, that, you know, credit to them in that regard. They absolutely came out as the number one team, as the number one offense, as as we've seen them all year. But for the defense to let up like that, you know, credit to Warren Smith, too, for, oh, for yes. coming out as, like, Crazy. the ultimate competitor in this game. Uh, but, yeah, you don't love to see that defensively. Um, but luckily, Albany has the firepower to, even on their worst defensive game, hold up. Uh, I mean, 70 points total at halftime, a 124 total. What is <laughs> what is going on? It's what uh, we wanted. Exactly. It's what we wanted. Uh, I mean, John, what did you take away f- from this game? I mean, uh, Warren Smith is a phenomenal quarterback is what I took away mm-hmm. from this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to cut you off early, Tim, but 24 of 34, 329, 7. And and one mm-hmm. and he I mean that's that's excellent yeah I mean they aren't uh, they aren't uh, uh, career highs but they're very very close uh, yeah. for him I mean it's uh, this game is everything we wanted in a game and what's funny guys and I think this has happened uh, for wow I think this is at least the sixth time that this happened this year you have a team totally dominate a game. And they win. Then they had they have a time of possession of more than almost ten minutes more than the team uh, the team that lost. It's just crazy. I, 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 but to me, that that's that's what arena football is all about. So um, you talk about Warren Smith. I mean, as I said three hundred twenty nine yards. Antoine Grant eleven receptions, one seventy seven and four. What the hell? Uh, finally get <laughs> he's finally getting his touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing that happens. We see this in the AFL a lot when a second string or just second quarterback comes in and just basically has different targets. Yeah. Um, different primary targets. Plus, Ings was was not at full health. So, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's awesome to see. I mean, what a breakout game. That and that and now I'm just going to say that too. That can be that we don't know how bad this is because Kendrick is still he's still technically on the not practicing. He's on the practice report, but as of not practicing, there's been no changes to his actual status uh, on the actual active roster. So I don't know what we're going to see. I mean, same thing, mind you, with Randy Hippard. He's still on the active roster, um, but. Uh, uh, Ben, what does this do to their return game? I mean, mind you, they still have a lot of people. I mean, Lamarck Brown still uh, caught quite a few balls. It was just, you know, it was a different quarterback. Uh, Lamarck, uh, sorry, Warren seemed to want to go in a different direction, so to speak. But uh, how bad do you think is the uh, uh, the potential, uh, I think it's a wrist injury to Kendrick Ings for the team going forward? Yeah, I mean, not ideal, obviously. Um, you know, the thing about Atlantic City, uh, not to be a downer about them, but we are toward the end of the season here, and it's looking like they're not going to make the playoffs, um, barring, uh, you know. Oh, I would say yeah, eh, borderline miracle. So yeah. I don't know that this – I mean, if this happened earlier in the season, I'd be like, ah, oh, damn, this is really going to kill them. But at this point, they're at a low enough point where – I don't know that we really need to. I mean, it's it's horrible for Kendrick Ings, but but team wise, uh, it doesn't necessarily spell something worse than they're already than they're already in. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rush had still had two touchdowns. Uh, Lamarck Brown also had one. Warren Smith had eight total touchdowns on the day. He had a, a rushing touchdown, as also did Lamarck Brown. Um, did I miss anything? No. Okay. Uh, for the Albany Empire, Tommy Grady, I mean, uh, 18 of 27, only 229 yards. <laughs> Jeez, they score 63 points, and they only have, uh, you know, he only throws for 229, but yet he throws for seven touchdowns and no interceptions. Leading receiver, Malachi Jones, nine receptions, 114 and two. Quentin Sims, uh, seven receptions, 91, uh, t- excuse me, 91 yard receiving and five count them five touchdowns with those five touchdowns that he currently solidifies himself atop the arena football league with the most receiving touchdowns uh michael benson also got into it uh with uh with a receiving uh, sorry with a rushing touchdown uh one quick note about malachi jones um with his first touchdown he actually extended his personal uh consecutive game streak with a touchdown to 21 I think a lo- it's it's really being overshadowed. Yeah, it's, it's really being yeah, it's really being overshadowed with uh, uh, with uh, with Joe Hills, but uh, he is currently the second longest current streak in the AFL. So um, this game was so fun to watch, guys. This is I mean, it is this is arena football, uh, and I think the game itself did it last more than two thirty. I don't think it did. Did it? Uh, I don't think Double so. Double checking it real quick uh albany here we go because i know the uh, in our conversation with the commissioner I know that was brought up too about uh about total time that these games are running it ran longest game of the year guys 248 wow 248 i mean that you know that's i guess what happens when you go to commercial after touchdowns that, after that many <laughs> well that too and i think i'm trying to remember the last time that we actually saw six touchdowns in the fourth quarter guys six yeah. count them six touchdowns um the final game of the week is the Philadelphia Soul traveling to play the Columbus Destroyers. Uh, Philadelphia had not played Columbus since uh, in Columbus. Well, obviously since uh, since the team you know since '08. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but the this game was also an identical score to the Thursday game. Philadelphia knocked them off forty two thirty five. This game. I don't know. It's it just seemed that you know Grant Russell has been playing so well as of late. 
it just it's just it wasn't the fumbles that did him in it was the ints is that fair to say ben yeah i mean for someone who i think had 15 straight touchdowns without a pick that was unfortunate and of course the thing that's going to stand out to everyone is is the critical interception mm-hmm. on the last drive mm-hmm. um yeah it's just it's another it's another one of those games with with grant russell where so close yet can't get over the finish line and uh, this is this is kind of interesting to bring up, and I think this might be the time to do it. Yeah. Um, I think you guys might have heard Donovan Morgan's uh, interview yes. on uh, the High Motion podcast. Props and to them. Great interview. Yes, absolutely it, great it, interview. It, as I mentioned in my tweet, even if you're an OG uh, AFL fan or a current fan, that is you have to listen to that interview. Yeah, and, and one of the, the standout things that he was saying and this is going to be a controversial concept but he seemed to really be down on Matt Sock now I don't know whether that is just a personal issue that he had with Matt Sock but he was essentially saying that uh, Matt did not get the veterans uh, out in front this season and didn't wasn't able to rally the young players around the veterans and instead I guess treated them like they were rookies in some way Mm -hmm. or didn't didn't offer them coaching opportunities sort of with the young players so but he also spoke really highly of grant russell so i I just don't know whether there's some coaching aspects to this where maybe in in better hands russell might have have more success uh i i think it's interesting because columbus is in their first year i'm not really sure whether they're going to make that coaching change for year two uh, especially because they have shown promise i don't know what do you think about that do you think they would change coaching staffs this early we we've seen it happen before we have yeah i mean but uh, you know his one comment and i agree with you by the way uh what the other comment that really stood out to me was is that when he was asked would he come back to columbus he said yeah he'd come back to columbus um uh, just as long as there was some chain possible change yeah and it was like that's really really telling so i mean maybe they're just clashing i don't know um because you know the way he made it sound that his current stint on the IR really isn't yeah. – it's not really injury-related. That's he, how, says it, he said it was stuff that he could definitely have played through. Yeah, it's so I, – I, I don't know. I mean, John, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the interview or not with, with, uh, uh, with uh, Captain Morgan or not. But, I mean, it's uh, – Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the vibe I've gotten for most of the season, though, to be honest with you. Oh, really? Yeah, that, you, yeah, you, it's true. they've been they've been overly cautious with him. Um, yeah, it's true. And you've been there for a couple of games that you shot along with Ben and stuff like that. So it's I'm sure you were getting the vibe of, of certain things. I mean, did uh, anything from the games that you've been to has anything stood out in particular? I mean, you know, yes, you know, Coach Sock is a good arena league coach. Uh, it, it's been a few years since he's coached in, in the league itself. But do you think it's just a matter of? of a player, a longtime veteran player and, and a, long, a longtime veteran coach just clashing? I mean, it could be, but also I just think the way the team was constructed from my point of view is a little odd. Um, the way they focused with the the defense, uh, many veterans and offenses filled with first-year starters and rookies and um, a lot of people that don't really know the game as well as some of the other teams players so i i think that 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 might be an issue there in columbus too is that there's too much youth on the offensive side of the ball it's, it's possible i mean the right. team, the, the, i mean they had, what 60 days 
I mean, that's another thing, too, yeah. that we need to think about where it goes to your question, Ben. I don't think there will be a change a head coach because, I mean, it, it was, it's 60 days. What, yeah. what coach is able to put together a, 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 a championship team in 60 days where you seem to be behind the eight ball already when it comes to the players that have already signed through free agency? Because it seemed that they got started really, really late in free agency. Yeah. So, so and But you know what? The positive out of this, though, Grant Russell, he may be a future star in this league. He's still, yeah. he, you know, for a guy who's never been under center uh, to, to take a snap, to be able to go to, to get to the point where he is now, he's improved a, a ton. So, I mean, he, he is very possible another future star in this league. So, Well, let me just say two more things before we move on. First is in relation to Coach Sock's um, future with the team. I would think they would give him at least another half season uh, yeah, ne- I mean, next Coach year. Coach got that. So. That's, yes, that's my, <laughs> yeah. that's my exact thought. That's my thought, too. Yeah, but there's a and huge secondly, difference between Coke and Sock. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of working in Sock's favor. Yeah. Sorry, and what was the other one? Uh, the other, uh, the other one is t- to comment on the game itself. Mm. Was is that James Romaine, uh goat yep. in the making, <laughs> or is he already the goat of, of the DBs for the AFL? Um, I- I'm probably going to say yeah. In my opinion, I know he's not leading the league with uh, like unassisted tackles or total tackles, but I still really think these interceptions and these returns matter. Oh, oh, for for sure. I, for I sure. mean, it, it ended Columbus's chances of winning that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it was telegraphed. That's that's the thing, though. If it, it, something that he knew, it's almost as if he knew the route. He knew when to make his move. That that's that's what it just seemed like. Um, oh yeah, yeah. For Philadelphia, Dan Radabaugh was fourteen to twenty three, two twenty seven, four and two. So it was sort of an off game for Dan. Uh, BJ Bunn, somebody I knew I should have picked up in Dan Fantasy. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I had him there once or twice, and then I took him. I was like, yeah. Six receptions, 116 <laughs> yards, and a touchdown. Darius Prince, Jordan Williams, Lonnie Outlaw also had a uh, had a receiving touchdown. Again, Adrian Ferns, damn it. I knew I should have had him, too. Uh, had three, uh, excuse me, had, uh, had a, a uh, rushing touchdown, as did another BJ Bunn. God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Ben and I told you yeah. put Adrian Ferns in as your captain. I know, I know, I know, I know. And, and, and I've already mentioned this. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it next segment. Uh, Greg okay. Russell was 23 of uh, 39, 237, 5 and 3. Uh, Liam Nadler came in for, for one play uh, when Grant sort of got uh, uh, sort of got beaten up on a play. Um, Fabian Guerra uh, led the team with uh, receptions and yards, 75 yards and three TDs. Paul Browning, he seems to be finally getting into the getting into it being a, a, a almost an everyday wide receiver now when it comes to uh, catching touchdowns since he's come over from uh, uh, from Baltimore. Uh, two two touchdowns. Um, but yeah, it's I guess we can we can say now for sure. I mean, with their current record, um, uh, Columbus is going to be going to be trying to play spoiler for the rest of this season. So um, we will talk about uh, uh, the playoff scenarios uh, in the next segments coming up uh, but first we want to make sure that we get to our first interview of the week um, it was uh, a very interesting interview to speak uh, when, when speaking with uh, uh, Albany wide receiver Quentin Sims uh, we talked about everything from his uh, his start in football 
to what he thinks about what's coming up versus the Philadelphia Soul. So we're going to get to that interview, and we'll be right back. And on the line with us now is a gentleman who is a part of what I would call probably the two-headed receiving monster for the Albany Empire this year, wide receiver Quentin Sims. Welcome, welcome Quentin. How are you? I'm good, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Um, well, I think for those who haven't been following your career, Quentin, at least they want to know uh, the Quentin Sims before he got to the Arena Football League. What was your uh, what was your what was your football career like as as a kid, and did you play, and uh, what led you getting up to uh, the Arena Football League? Yeah, so um, I started playing football. Well, my dad played football first off. He played at uh, Oklahoma and then played in the uh, CFL for a little while. So. Um, you know, he always had like, you know, a lot of uh, his bowl, uh, you know, the game ball, some uh, sun bowl and stuff. So, I mean, I always grew up, you know, it's kind of a part of me. I kind of identified with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I started playing uh, in fifth grade. Uh, no, actually, it was sixth grade. I was uh, I was 11 when I started playing. Um, and I actually, I played quarterback for a year, or I mean, uh, running back for a year. And then I pretty much, as soon as middle school started, seventh grade, um, transition to quarterback. Um, so, but I was playing option quarterback. So, I mean, I was kind of, I was running a lot, but I threw, you know, I could throw every now and then, um, and did that all the way through high school. Um, actually in high school, I transferred. I, my sophomore year, I started varsity at Northwest high school in Cincinnati. And then, um, that school, they just, they didn't have a very strong football program. And the other school in our district, uh, Corain high school was, uh, you know, consistently ranked in the top 10, um, High schools in the nation. Right. So, transferred over there. Um, have you heard of Corain? Uh, I've, I've 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 heard of them within the within the the rankings itself, but I mean I, I didn't know how well they had been doing, but I have heard of them before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they were. I mean you know it was a high school powerhouse, especially in the state of Ohio. Um, so and they were the same district. So I decided to uh, transfer over there, figuring that would just increase my chances of exposure and you know being able to get some scholarships and stuff. Um, so. Junior year went there and actually I backed up the quarterback. So I went, I was starting at the one school and transferred and uh, backed up the quarterback at Coleraine for a year. And then my senior year, um, the quarterback the year before was also a junior. So he was a senior. He was a starter again. And I played a uh, running back slot receiver again in the triple option. Um, so I'd like go in motion and uh, around, you know, like wing T and, and pitch relationship and, you know, do some stuff. Yeah. Um, and that, that actually, got me a scholarship to university of buffalo um they offered me a few a few schools in the mac like western michigan buffalo and um actually those are like the main schools early on that offered me um that i decided between and i actually committed to buffalo um during my senior season just because a lot of the other guys at Coleraine were getting offers and kind of committing and you know, i felt a little rushed uh, just not playing a season and stuff so i'm committed to buffalo to play receiver Toward the very end of my senior year at Coleraine, our starting quarterback um, went down with a shoulder issue. And so right before the playoffs started, I got switched to quarterback. Actually, for the playoffs, the first playoff game was when I started quarterback. And, I mean, I just put up very good numbers. I had like 200 rushing yards and three touchdowns, two passing. Um, next week, same thing, had like, you know, really big games. And at the same time, shortly after that season, Georgia Tech uh, was just in the area and came by Corain because they were in the triple option. Paul Johnson had just got to Georgia Tech, so they were in the triple option. had a good a relationship um, from him being at the Naval Academy. So they just they come to the school and say, do you have anyone for us to look at, anyone we could be interested in? And that's how I ended up my scholarship at Georgia Tech. 
they just saw my film and said, oh, yeah, we can offer him. We got a scholarship left. And so I decommitted from Buffalo, committed Georgia Tech um, for reasons was because when I went to Georgia Tech, I saw a lot of players in the NFL that had been at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a big hall. You walk in, you see all the NFL players. I said, this is where I want to go. I want to be in the NFL. And uh, this is the best place. So um, long story short, at Georgia Tech, I bounced around a little bit between receiver and quarterback um, just because I really liked playing the position of quarterback in the triple option. I'm like kind of managing the game, having the ball, and obviously receivers didn't get much action. Um, by the time I got to be around 20 years old and two years left of school, I finally got enough sense to realize if I want to go to the NFL, I got to learn how to play receiver in a real offense. I, triple option is not going to work. Option quarterback's not going to work. You know, I, so that's when I decided to take my last two years go play somewhere else so I can learn a position of receiver and, you know, put up some statistics and get notoriety there. So that's when I transferred to Tennessee at Martin uh, in the OVC. Um, had some success there the two years I played. I broke the school career receiving record in the two seasons I played, which was 26. And then my senior year, I broke the um, single season touchdown receiving record uh, my senior year for the conference um, and obviously the school too. And um, so I had, you know, I did pretty well after that. Um, was hoping to get drafted at least in the late round or free agency opportunity right after. Uh, nothing worked out for me. Uh, to my surprise, I was very surprised just based on my statistics and combine or pro day numbers and everything. Um, but, you know, uh, obviously kept working out. Patriots gave me a call a day before training camp, my rookie season 2013. So it must have been, you know, July 30th or something that they called me and flew me in for a workout. I worked out with them. Um, they decided to sign me, uh, flew back, grabbed my stuff, flew back to camp the next day to start, uh, to start camp. Um, I was in camp with them the whole, I think, four or five weeks, um, all through training camp, learning the playbook, doing pretty well. I was working with Tim Tebow a lot because he was a third-string guy, and I was, um, you know, I mean, I wasn't in the rotation with Tom, with, you know, Tom Brady yet right. and uh, or at all, you know. So me and, me and Tim uh, did pretty well together. I kind of became his bailout guy. Um, because, you know, he's not the best at reading coverages. He kind of, oh, where's Quentin? You know, I thought, you know, usually it's a good play. And that's what, you know, so uh, him and I did well together in practice. And uh, last preseason game, I had a couple touchdowns, uh, again, from Tim Tebow. Um, So, you know, I was, I thought I was in a good position to earn a spot on the team, at least practice squad. But I actually got cut the next day after uh, the preseason game. Went home. A few days later, they called me back, invited me to the practice squad. So I went, signed with the Patriots 2013, their practice squad, was signed with them um, for literally just one week. And then the week after that, they told me they had to sign some guys. There was a bye week, and they signed me right back the next week. And no problem, you know, you don't have to go home. You can stay here if you want or fly you home, whatever you want to do, we'll sign you back. And uh, I never heard from them again. And that was pretty much the extent of my NFL experience um, because after that, that's uh, 2013. Um, after that NFL season, when nobody gave me a call, um, I signed with the San Jose Sabercats um, and did just a couple workouts with them just in the off season. Um, some team activities with them. Uh, really was pressing my agent to sign me to Canada. Uh, I felt like that was a good opportunity for me. Um, maybe, and this is me not knowing, thinking, oh, okay, well, it's not as competitive as the NFL mm-hmm. because it's Canada. And I can go there two years, develop my receiver skills a little bit more. You know, I, with the Patriots, 
I kind of learned about myself that I didn't create separation of routes as much as I should. Um, because obviously at Martin, I was just a little bit more, I was able to out physical anybody, you know? So those things didn't really draw my attention until I was going to, against Akeem Tlaib, who I said, oh, okay, he's pretty big and physical too. You know, he's pretty strong. I need to do a little bit more than just push him off of me or, um, you know, I just can't just catch the ball. So right. wanted to work on it for a little bit. Yep. Uh, press my agent to give me a uh, contract in the CFL. He, Winnipeg eventually signed me. Um, but before their actual training camp started, it would have been in 2014 now, before their training camp started, they released me. Um, before I even got there, you know, I guess they just were holding me and decided they had to make moves um, yeah. for obviously someone else. Um, from there, I went down to Orlando to join the Orlando Predators because they had my contract rights in the AFL. Um, San Jose had traded them once they heard I was going to sign to the CFL. Um, so I wanted to play. I said, I'll play a little bit of arena football. Uh, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain the team will give me a shot in the NFL this coming camp. I'll be able to, you know, get a camp spot and uh, do things better that I didn't do with the Patriots last year. Now I'll do them this year with a new team that gives me opportunity and I'll be back in the NFL. Um, so I went down to Florida. At this point, I was married and I had a one-year-old. Um, and, you know, they, I mean, they traveled with me. You know, we were young. We, I wanted to be with my son. My wife wanted me, you know, to be with me and, and we wanted to be with each other. So she came down to Florida thinking it would be fine. And I was there for two weeks. I ended up getting cut. So it just, you know, we, we bounced around so much was happening in a short period of time, you know, like a year time frame, just nothing in football would go right for me. Everything went wrong. Um, and I basically made the decision at that point when I got cut that I'm, I can't play football anymore. Right. You know, I have to do, I have to do something that will allow me to have success, like where I can, can kind of control it a little more. Um, and so that's what I did. I just, you know, uh, we moved back to Cincinnati with my parents um, and just found a job. It was a full-time job as like a um, logistics broker for uh, semi-trucks. So I was able to, you know, pay rent in an apartment. And my, me and my wife got an apartment. Um, and about three months into that job, actually, now it's July 30th again, July 29th, something like that. And the Atlanta Falcons called me and saying they want to they wanna sign me. They don't want to have me try out, they want to sign me for camp. You know, they have a contract for me. They want me to get on the plane, fly there, camp starts tomorrow. And I, I did not do it. Oof. And, uh, yeah, I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, my boss, you know, my boss, because I didn't have the heart. You know, I made the decision, all right, I'm not playing football. Right. But it's obviously easy to, to say that when there's no NFL team calling you. You know, it's just easy right. to say that when there's nothing you can do. So that was the moment where it was like, this is real. You know, are you really just, you've been, you're dedicated your whole life to this pretty much. Are you really saying no, you know, to this opportunity? And so I, I didn't have the heart to pick up the phone and tell the guy from the Falcons, no, I'm not coming. And they, so they kept calling. I just listened to the voicemail. I'm kind of like, you know, I just feel cruisy a little bit. You know, I can't believe this. My boss <laughs> telling me, hey, you know, the job will be here. The job, you know, they, you know, I'm like, no, I'm, you know, I'm 20. Three twenty-four at the time, just turned twenty-four. I think you know. I, so anyway, turn them down. Uh, I learned my lesson quickly. It took me about six months working a full-time job, forty hours, fifty hours a week, and seeing an NFL season and trying to pay bills. Where I said to myself, "Wow!" Like even if I didn't like football, the opportunity to just gain the, you know that type of financial security 
or just even that type of financial gain, you know, you can do so much for a family. And, you know, either you have, you have a lot more time in the NFL, you have to train hard, but you're not working 50 hours a week all year, you know? So I just, I realized like, man, maybe I should have went, maybe I should try again. I was so close. So 2015, I train again, do another pro day at Miami, Ohio. Um, I'm not sure. I, I tell myself this, like once you turn the NFL team down as a free agent, it might make it a little harder or make, make other teams hesitate to call you. I'm not sure, but uh, that's what it kind of seemed like. So anyway, uh, 2015, I got an opportunity with the Arizona Rattlers on just a two-a-day workout uh, about halfway through the season. And uh, Coach Guy liked what he saw. And so and they, were, they had a lot of injuries that year. And so uh, he signed me. And I pretty much learned the arena game in those few months towards the end of the season. And uh, 2016, I signed with Cleveland and, um, you know, I've been playing the last four years as a starter. So it's yeah. been pretty fun. Now I will, man, looking at your, the teams that you've been with, you've had some amazing quarterbacks that you've been able to, to be a wide receiver under from, you know, Nick Dava to the, you know, to, uh, uh, obviously to Tommy Grady now to uh, Randy Hippard, uh, and also to Arvell Nelson. Um, what's it been like to be a wide receiver knowing that, that the, uh, wow, the, the history that these guys have had in the arena league, how much have you been able to learn from these guys? Uh, I mean, it's it's been incredible. I mean, starting with Coach Coach Guy and Nick Davila in Arizona, um, I mean, I think really benefited my career early on, at least. You know, so when I was my first full year, my first NFL training camp, I mean, uh, AFL training camp with the Cleveland Gladiators, I knew the arena football game because I had a quarterback like that teaching me and Nick Davila and Coach Guy, who's obviously one of the greatest coaches to coach arena football. Um, and you know, I, I was able to take the knowledge I got from them and I still can pass it on, you know, and, and I could pass it on early on in my career because I was absorbed. I was wanting to hear everything they said again, coming from my history, um, with the Patriots. And I just, I was so focused on, you know, absorbing everything they said. And obviously me and Arvell kind of, he's been, he was in arena a lot longer, but you know, him and I worked together in Cleveland and that's kind of where he got to start. And so I was there for all those games. So, I mean, I love seeing him now in Washington getting a chance to start from game one, you know, and see the kind of uh, numbers he can put up. I mean, he's, you know, he's great. Ben. Uh, so, Q, I, I was really taken with your story. I mean, that's a really interesting uh, trajectory and, and what you mentally sort of had to go through and, and turning down the Falcons. And, you know, I, I think the, the pattern is definitely you think a lot about stability um, and I, you know, I wonder if a lot of guys do think about that all the time or whether they're just always trying to do the next thing that comes. And I think I read in an interview or maybe I heard it, you had said that you sort of look at the AFL as like almost a more stable option than the NFL at this point. Like the NFL is, is almost a risk that may move you again. Uh, I'm curious what you think of the AFL in terms of how it fits into your life picture now that you're also pursuing law and, and that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So definitely for me, you know, it's a more uh, secure and it was it was at the point I had children is really, you know, I was I was the kid and I'm sure there's a lot of football players, a lot of people um, that don't necessarily think about security and stability because when you're a single guy, you don't really have to worry about it. That much. Right, you right, can right. Kind of. Yeah. Jump to the next, you know, go here, go there. Obviously, we have kids. I start thinking about oh, 10 years, 20 years all right, well, you know, and I have a wife, so it's, I have more people to think about. I just can't. So the AFL for me has been 
amazing. It's been a real a true blessing because I came into the AFL strictly. I will come to the AFL, get some film, and go back to the NFL, or I'll go to law school and stop playing football. Um, and I, I mean, I found I fell in love with the game, and I've been able to be a top performer. So I have some security when I go to a team. You know, they're they're counting on me for a whole season. I'm not. They're not. I'm not really at risk of getting cut. Right. So I can bring my family with, you know, I can bring my family with me. We can have an apartment. We can get acclimated into the area. You know, it's a nice summer vacation for us, you know, for three, four months. Um, my kids are still young. They finished school. And also it being in the summer, it lines up perfectly with my kids school and with my law school. So, um, I mean, it's been just a true blessing. I, not a lot of people can work during while in law school, but, you know, make the money I make playing football play football and then do school basically in my football all season. Right. Hey, so Q, you said something about being a top performer and right now you're basically like top three in every receiving category in the league and you're leading the league in touchdowns with 23. But, uh, what makes this even more impressive is that you've done it on only like, I think 50 receptions, Roughly. So like how or why is this possible and what kind of preparation goes into every game to make you such an elite athlete? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's kind of how I approach most things in my life as, you know, as many things as I can and that I think long term. I put in a lot of work, you know, and while I'm in law school, I am as many as often as possible, you know, going to the gym. Obviously, if I have a big paper or something, I might miss a couple of days. But I'm I'm consistent, going to the gym, working on my body, doing kind of breaking down the game, you know, and like being smart with my training versus just going out and just trying to work as hard as possible. I, I try to be thoughtful with it. And then, obviously, with Tommy Grady, you know, I mean, he's one of the best. I mean, that, that I played with I mean, from day one. I noticed how good him and I could be, you know, where he's putting these, you know, he's throwing me the ball. He's letting me work. I felt it just, you know, first day. And I mean, that obviously plays a lot into it. He trusts me on the field and he's giving me freedom to win. And he's able to stand there. Obviously our offensive line, giving him plenty of time. He's standing there and delivering the ball and making my job way easier and way more efficient with less opportunity. Now, knowing okay. that, that you went through, the, through that crazy run with Cleveland and you went to the Arena Bowl, and obviously with the upcoming playoffs and stuff like that, um, being that you've gone through the Arena Bowl, uh, the Arena Bowl process and stuff like that, uh, what, uh, what have you been able to tell your teammates, for those who may have not gone all the, gotten all the way to the Arena Bowl yet, but what have you been able to tell your teammates about what it takes to actually get, there, get to the actual championship game and uh, uh, you know, to, to actually get there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's everyday work, number one. Um, I mean, I think all the teams in the league last year learned a lesson, um, you know, especially Albany and then especially Baltimore when it came to the Arena Bowl, when the Washington Valor, who had won a couple of games the whole season, Albany beat them four times in a row um, in the regular season, and then the fifth beat them five times in a row, then beat them the first game of the playoffs and then lost and didn't advance. I mean, that just shows you that, especially with a limited number of teams in the league, everybody is good. And no matter how many times you beat them, no matter what happened in the last game, you have to have the mindset of one to know that can't affect you because mm-hmm. you could have a whole new team. You know I mean? They, I mean, and we we're eight and one, but we've had to fight, you know, that hasn't been easy in any of the games. Um, 
So it goes to show, I mean, it's a talented league and you got to, you got to remain focused. You can't relax because you secure the number one seed or you clinch a playoff spot. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's every game is a fight. Ben. Um, well, I was kind of wondering about, you know, coach Keith has been just the absolutely the most fiery guy that I've been around in a long time. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes, you know, in the league that can go both ways. It's like sometimes that fiery attitude, becomes hostile and and it kind of can uh i mean obviously you guys are succeeding so that's helping but what is it like playing for for someone like keith and and why is it working so well this season uh in particular yeah i mean i mean i love coach keith um i and it's i told you i was with the orlando predators he was actually the coach there right and, right uh, right the coach who, you know he's the one who decided to cut me and i mean it was they they had they were having a great year that year they had a lot of good receivers you know i didn't know the arena game you know i mean it's really rational decision on why he did it and but from 2014 till now 2019 when I'm on a team again I can see the growth that he's made you know I mean I can tell that he's working on himself he's working always to be the best coach he can um, I see significant changes maybe in his attitude the way he deals with certain things mm-hmm. um so I mean I think you know he's again it's he's bringing that into his life and then he brings it into the locker room and um he's trying to bring guys that are striving to be better, you know, at everything they do, which obviously will carry over to the football field. And I think that's the kind of guy he is, kind of guy I am, and I think we have a good number of guys, and, you know, it's working out for us so far. Um, the game coming up this week, uh, what are you guys really centering on? I know you're talking about every game's a, a, a 1-0 type of thing, but uh, as you said, you have a, had a, a couple of close calls this, this year, and uh, uh when it comes to your opponent this week, uh, uh, what are you what are you looking for as, as a team to make sure that you can get to that one and zero to uh, to beat Philadelphia? And obviously, um, I think if you were to win, you would clinch uh, you would clinch a top spot in the Arena Football League, leading into the into the Arena Bowl. But what what are you guys looking to do uh, for Philadelphia this week? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Philly is always a tough matchup. I mean, no matter what they're doing record wise at any point i mean they're on they've won a couple games in a row now but whatever they're doing that's for the doubt they have two-time mvp quarterback um, i mean they the guys have been together both you know they all won championships so that's luckily for us philadelphia is not a team where you usually relax a little bit you know and let them catch you because they're you know four and five or you know you know whatever it may be um we know we have to prepare we know they're going to be tough. They're starting to click a little bit more on offense, you, as you can see, um, because they're, they got some more guys in there who are now starting to get reps down, starting to get the timing down. And when that offense gets its timing down, I mean, it's hard to stop. So, I mean, you know, and our offense has been playing well, but we got some of the best DBs across from us this time uh, in Philadelphia, and those guys make plays. So I mean, we have to obviously take care of the ball and then, you know, I mean, our our defense is going to have to make some plays and try and slow uh, Dan and those guys down, which is a tough job. But, you know, hopefully we can get it done. Uh, Q, we really appreciate your time, man. Uh, we, we could talk to you for hours, and we hope to have you on, on the show very, you know, uh, very, very soon again. Um, if uh, fans wanted to follow you on social media, how would they do so? Yeah, so uh, Twitter account is QSims18. And um, same with uh, Instagram as well, QSims18, at QSims18. Uh, that's 1M, and uh, they can come on over and follow me. I'd be glad to have 
<laughs> oh man! It, again, it was greatly appreciated. Uh, I know you're, uh, you know, taking away from your your personal time and getting ready for the game. But uh, again, uh, uh, all the best, man, this week, and uh, uh, we hope to uh, talk to you and see you very soon. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah! Wow, that's that was an amazing interview. And as I teased at the very beginning, guys, um, again, you could hear Ben gasp. <laughs> <laughs> What what is it? What was it? What's your thought? And even him, he had a reaction to it also. I mean, what's your thought when you hear about a guy who, who, who it seems that football is his thing. He he literally just ignores the chance yeah. to be a free agent signing with the Atlanta Falcons. But yet, if you look at his career as it is now, you know him to, to, trying to become a lawyer. Uh, his current career in these in the uh, in the AFL. Has do you think it sort of cancels it out, Ben? Is it is that a fair way to say that, or am I just really just that's I'm well, losing my mind? No, no. I mean, it's an interesting concept. I mean, I was really blown away by that. I did not know that about him. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, there's a lot of what if stories that that come through the AFL. You know, there's tons of them. You know, players who. Uh, you know, even Donovan Morgan's a great example mm-hmm. that we were just talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. He's a player who, you know, I think could have stayed around in the NFL but made a couple mistakes. You know, Quinn Sims ignoring phone calls is is more heartbreaking because it's it was such a it was such a considerate choice he made. It was a very thoughtful decision he was making and something that he committed to. And he's obviously very uh, introspective and he and he's he's very smart and he he thinks a lot about how each decision he's going to make impacts his life and at that point in his life so early on in his life he decided i, I can't take this call you know I, I made a decision and i can't do this anymore i can't you know i can't risk the the mobility of this and and what it will do to my life and i think what what what's interesting about that is that he eventually did get courted back to the AFL yeah and and so you do you could look back at that and say, oh, well, you know, if he's in the AFL now, shouldn't he have taken those calls? But, you know, I don't think anyone can really think like that. But it really is just stunning when you hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one thing he yeah. didn't mention also is that he actually did take the call from from the Ottawa Red Blacks in the CFL. Right. Right. Um, and again, he ended just being uh, just a. It didn't go far. He ended up coming back to the AFL. Yeah. Uh, John, uh, any comments to to the interview about the interview? I just I really enjoyed talking to him and listening to his story. Uh, we learned so much. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I thought, "Wow, I can't believe how personal this is getting." And I just want to say thanks again, Quentin, for opening up to us and giving such a great interview. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I love hearing that type of stuff from from players. It's you don't know their story. They throw in a few little tidbits, and it, it really, uh, as a fan, it really makes you you think about the player itself. And it I, I, it, it it changes the. I think if you don't know them, or if they're if they're in a different light, maybe it changes the light that you see them in. And uh, but yeah, it's uh, uh, next time that uh, I'm in Albany, I want to make sure that I that I reach out to Quentin and uh, at least say hello. Um, so um, I know I, before the the interview, I know I was bitching about it, guys. But it's, you know that that's just the way that the, I guess the uh, uh, the football deflates when it comes to uh, uh, DraftKings in the Arena Football League. Um, but um, I know Ben, we talked about it last week. I know for, you had issues. <laughs> with uh having your team saved um but again uh, that's not on you but it's um it, it happens yeah it, but <laughs> yeah it happens um 
but uh, John and I actually did play. Uh, I, I, to be fair, guys, I made changes to the to my team, and I have a sneaking suspicion I really shouldn't have because a lot of those players that I was uh, really bitching about before in the last segment, I I had them. <laughs> I had them on my team, but um, uh, we in the league, I ended up with a uh, 177.14 points. I was good for eighth. Uh, John, you ended up with 187.69. That was good for fifth. And I have to at least give a shout out to the guys over at Arena Kings, uh, Hot Rod V. He took the league again uh, this week with 200 and, uh, 216 points. But he didn't have a kicker this time in his roster, but he had he had the right guys when he when he needed to. So, um, but heading forward now to week number ten, uh, our rosters. Uh, God, man, <laughs> I was I talked to you guys about this off air. It's like uh, Warren Smith jumps up thirty six hundred dollars. What the what? I mean, it's, 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 again, it's you have to find those diamonds in the rough in order to get a team that you think that is going to be, um, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be competitive and try to win, whether you're doing it for money or whether you're doing it for free. Uh, fair to say, guys? Yeah, that's the name of the game. I mean, you know, I it's I can't wait till there are more players in this pool because I think it will mix it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, again, and I don't know if you misunderstood what I was saying last week, Ben, when I mentioned defense. I wasn't. Ta- I, no, I, I went back and listened to that. I know what you meant. Yeah. I meant you meant pick an actual an defense. actual defense, and I'm not and, a player. And again, I'm 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 reaching out and I'm asking maybe DraftKings uh, will. Uh, Decided to do that again next year and added a little added, uh, added change to it. When especially if you, I mean, right now for mine, I got a thousand bucks left. So I mean, it's maybe it's something that they can look forward to next season. Um, I actually did quite well with one player, and I'm going to go with that route again this week. But uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to surprise you guys. You know who my captain is this week? Whomst? Agent Trevino. Interesting. He actually got me twelve points last week. So it's an interesting thought. And it only cost me twenty four hundred bucks. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, kicker. Well. Yeah. No, I know it's not that much. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, the idea of of getting the one point five times value. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And Trevino is on concept. one of those teams where obviously they're they're kicking they're you know they get a lot of points. But Ben, who'd you go with your captain? I went with Mike Benson. Um, I, I this was a tough week in terms of player values. They're just so high. Crazy, so I ended up yeah. having to go with Benson yeah. for my captain. John. I went with Paul Browning for my captain this week. Okay, what was your what was your thought on him? I mean, was it just money itself, or matchup, or, or what was it in particular? Um, I think it's his his matchup, his his value himself as a player. Um, he's definitely coming on strong for Columbus as one of their their top threats as of late. So him in the captain spot works for me this week. Okay. Uh, ben, give us the rest of your team. I am locked and loaded with the Tommy gun. Okay. I got Fabian Guerra, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Rodabaugh, okay. Quentin Sims, mm-hmm. and Darius Prince. Interesting. Okay, I see something there. I'm going to see if it, if, if it holds true. Uh, John, yours. I've got Lamarck Brown, Darius Prince, Quentin Sims, Rashad Still, and Arvell Nelson. Wow, nice. Okay, I, I was trying. I was wondering if we were going to stay away from Atlantic City again. You just uh, you blew that up. Uh, 
because it, it's tough because you know Lamarck is really well, the he's the guy now. So you know with with uh, you know with him having the the huge injury to Ings. Um, what? Why not go double stack? I just out of curiosity, John, why you didn't go double stack and choose uh, uh, Warren? Is it just price price point? Well, no, I really felt that I've done better only playing one quarterback. And to be honest with you, I want to pick Arvell Nelson because he's been the most consistent, mm-hmm. and I've kind of like shown this on the stats. Well, yeah, um, four touchdowns last week, I'm sure, helps quite a bit too. Yeah, absolutely. A rushing, and yeah. and I, you know, I didn't want to stay away from Lamarck Brown or from Atlantic City last week, and I went with Lamarck Brown, and it still paid off for it me. Did. It did. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you know, that's that's why I won't stay away from Atlantic City per se. Okay. Mine are uh, Malachi Jones, Tommy Grady, Fabian Guerra, Joe Hills, and I went with Grant Russell. Interesting. Really, Hills is a—he's like a—he's guaranteed touchdown at least. I know, and that's that's where that—that's where it's tough. I mean, I'm—that could be the one spot that I might change because it with the extra thousand dollars that I still have, right? It'll give me ninety. It'll give me ninety-four hundred dollars, and I might be able to pick another. Uh, obviously, a very good wide receiver. So yeah, you know what I tried to do that was really stupid. What's that? Um, but I was, you know, just curious if I could. I I tried to load my team up with high value players and leave a spot open. Um, oh, interesting. Basically, to spend as much money as I could on the top players, and it didn't let me. So you, so, <laughs> you can't leave a slot open. Okay, so as I say, you have to fill up all six spots. Yeah, that's where it makes. Like I said who you choose as your captain makes it very. Yeah. Very interesting, and depending on what price point you're going to go to, because right, right. I mean, if you wanted Arvale as your captain, that's fifteen grand. Yeah, I, fi- I wanted to go with Grady for my captain. I just couldn't do it. I tried that too, actually. Yeah, I tried that too, and it didn't work. It just didn't work because I think it was like it doesn't math out. Uh, you can't get anyone at the, uh, for your last two spots if you do that. It's tough. It really is. So, um, even though we're so far into the season, you know, you can still join us here in the arena fan. Uh, arenafan.com uh, group over on uh, DraftKings. Um, send me an email at tim.capper at arenafan.com and I will make sure that I send you uh, the invite and, and join us. Join us for the rest of the season. Yeah, go ahead and spoil my chances of first again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, these guys tell you, these guys at Arena Kings, they're now mind you, we're only going usually with just one teams. They're, sure, they're, sure. They're still killing it. You know, I, I got to give them props. They're 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 able to pull stuff out, and they know what to do. So it's I, again, I got to give them props. So um, we were, as I mentioned before at the top of the show, we have another interview for this week's show. Um, it is the second time that we've had the the commissioner on the show with us. It was the first time when he, I think, it was just became commissioner, um, and that's a that's available in the archives if you want to listen to it. Um, but this time around, we we're talking about things from. Uh, from the well, what's coming up in the future for the Arena Football League, uh, the business side of it, uh, and uh, what about what about that scoring? A couple of questions that we had can, uh, had for him about that. So uh, let's get to that interview, and when we get back, we will preview the uh, the week uh, this week's matchups. On the line with us now uh, is the commissioner of the Reno Football League, Round the Bow. Uh, commissioner, we greatly appreciate your time and joining us this week. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Well, so we're coming up to the, uh, I guess we're the three quarter, the uh, three quarter way point of the season. Um, how would you, uh, how would you assess how the season's gone so far in 2019? You know, I think we've had a really good season so far. Um, I, I, um, we were just talking about this before we, before we went live, but one of the ways that we at the league office look at it is how do we get better every single week? Mm -hmm. And we, we really try to find ways to get better every week. And I, and I think we have, and I think you look at this last weekend of games, like we're having great games and, you know, we've got teams fighting for playoff position. I think the playoffs are going to be awesome. I think we are really having a great, great season. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think all three of us would agree with you. Um, obviously, it was the first year of uh, you know major changes to uh, to the timing rules. Um, and I know as you you and I have talked about before, and we about how the league is really looking at analytics and stuff like that. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, I mean, we are ba- almost uh, at the same point as we were last year uh, when it comes to games played. Um, what is it really concerning you that so far that the average points per game is about uh, 13 points lower than it was at this point in 2018? No. Um, and so, like, we have been preparing for this. Um so, uh, so I, I, let me take you through the kind of the process. Okay. So, you know, we, we look at the game, and, and one of the things we decided strategically was we should get the game life down. Last year was about two hours and 47 minutes. And we said, let's get it closer to two hours and 15 minutes. And so that's why we changed the timing rule. And, um, you know, our, our view was that creating a tighter package of football mm-hmm. was, was going to be a better thing for the league. So right now, I think after last weekend, our games are averaging two hours and 19 minutes. So we've shaved off almost half an hour. Mm-hmm. And what that has meant in terms of scoring, I think on average, each team is losing about one possession a game. And Judging by the numbers you guys were just throwing out, I mean that's like one score, right? If you if you assume that there's, you know, the scoring efficiency is close to one, so so that would explain it. You know, the thing we just looked at, and we're still trying to make sure we're we're doing the math right, is if you take the new game length, right, right. So if you move it from two hours and forty seven minutes, and you move it down to two hours and nineteen minutes, and your numerator is the number of points scored, yeah we actually are scoring more points per minute of game time than we did last year. Okay. Okay. That's and, a really and the other thing I will throw, well, so we, look, we, I mean, like we want to make this a fun game for people to watch. And, you know, so like we know people like to see scoring. That's a big part of the AFL. Great. Uh, we also believe that, you know, getting the game times down it's an important, um, important objective. So, so that's also good. Um, but like that's that's how we're looking at this. Like we want to preserve the game. We have a great game. We're just looking for ways to improve it at the edges. Right. And obviously, moving into 2019, like when you guys get together for you know the rules committee and whatnot, and uh, obviously there could be easily some modifications to the changes that have been made over the past two years. Is that right? Oh, yes. I mean, we'll, we're going to sit down after the Arena Bowl. And, you know, we, we, we've already been talking to coaches, to officials, to players. 
and and the the process is going to be let's let's all sit down like what do you think could make the game better and then we'll we'll talk it out and we'll figure out like should, there, should we change things or not mm-hmm. so that that but we're going to address i mean and that's going to be something we do every year okay okay that's good uh ben Hey, Commission. It's, uh, it's Ben here. Uh, first, I want to start off by saying, as as a fan of this game since I was nine years old, I've seen a lot of peaks and valleys from the AFL. And under your uh, reign here, if I can call it that, um, I, I feel as optimistic as, as ever right now. I, I want to start with that. I, I really feel like you have to be going in a very professional direction and an organized direction that for many years it felt like what are we grasping onto we don't even know if there's going to be a season next year and everything just feels so solid right now so i want to start off with that um well, like, you know oh, what so so, no, so thank you so much let me no let me just thank you because that's a really nice thing you just said so i appreciate it thank you oh uh, it's it's my pleasure i mean i you know this this game is means a lot to all of us and and uh I think we're just thrilled with the direction it's going, and one of those one of those directions, which uh, I, I've always been wondering about, was the, the concept of betting as as a brand for the AFL. Um, and I'm curious about how how it's going this year per your expectations for activity with betting. And second of all, as a single entity, what do you hope to achieve by stressing betting so much? Is it something that you hope the league receives like monetary value from, or is it more marketing and engagement? All right. So those are fantastic questions. Not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go out and say, like, I love you guys too. Um, this is a whole thing. are really passionate. <laughs> you're, 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 no, you're, I don't, I don't want it to be awkward, but you guys are like really smart. And I love talking to you. I love, I love seeing you guys because you think about this. I think you think about this probably more than I do, which is not probably <laughs> the right thing to say. But, um, and, and you're certainly um, better at it than I am. But so, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a lot there to, um, to unpack. So sports betting, is a, it's a really interesting um, issue. So if you're the NFL, look, you don't have to do anything. 70% of the, you know, by revenue of the bets in the United States are placed on NFL games. So you can just sit back and you can take sponsorship dollars and put patches on the uniforms, and that's how you can monetize it. We have a very different situation, and so we have to think through, like, how do we actually add value to the sports betting ecosystem? Right. And so I think we do that in a couple of ways. One, we provide a game, right? And, and in the end, like, I don't, I mean, I love our game, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but it's, it's product. And so, you know, you put it out there, it's something people can bet on, you generate a data stream, like there is revenue associated with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think the other, the other, the other part of it is that as we promote the game, as it becomes more and more popular, we then have the ability, especially having a team in Atlantic City, to like actually drive account signups. Right. So whoever our partner is, whether it's DraftKings or William Hill or MGM, whomever. Like we can actually put together a whole series of promotions in the league and in Atlantic City where we're actually driving, you know, accounts of that's right. real money. And and that's not something that any other league is looking at. 
Okay. And I guess uh, I guess we never we never think of it that way, Kamish, because I guess for us it's we see it as a game. We understand that there are some some like some corporate things behind the scenes, but I guess what you say what you say makes sense because I guess it's not necessarily how much is made on betting, but it's just a matter of offering something in order to get more eyeballs on the game. Is that fair to say? Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, I guess the way I look at it is, you know, we we build an audience of people who love arena football. And then part of the job as a business is to find other businesses that would like to connect with that audience. Right. Does that make sense? It does, yes. And so, and so the more you know about your audience and are careful about the way you grow it, well, then you can do better on that other part, which is finding other places to put that audience together with other people. Okay. Uh, and so, so that, that really is kind of what we look at and, and what we're trying to build. Okay. John. Kamish, so uh, we saw yesterday on social media that we're going to have an announcement for some teams during the Arena Bowl this year for expansion for 2020. Is there anything more you can tell us tonight or possibly give us any teasers for what's going to go into the 2020 season in in terms of picking new staffs or referees, for example? Well, okay, so a couple of things there. I mean, if you were hoping that I was going to tell you the expansion teams tonight, and give you guys the exclusive. I love you a lot, but not quite that much. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to wait. Of course. Um, yeah. We, we, um, it's actually a really interesting thing. Um, you know, as we've changed the business model and the structure, it's changed the way that we look at expansion. And so instead of going out and trying to find local ownership groups in whatever city, now we're just looking at cities and evaluating the opportunity and saying, okay, so City X would be a really great city for arena football. So it, it, to me, it allows us to rationalize the process and make the right decision for the right reason. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, that, that's, we're, we're going to announce something. We're aiming for arena bowl um, as the announcement. And, you know, our goal over the next, Four years, five years, our business plan is to grow by at least two teams a year for the next five years. Uh, awesome. To, to, to John's question about expansion, uh, I, we did notice also that uh, the league has um, started advertising that they need somebody to be, I think it's the COO for the Northeastern region. Oh man, Tim's uh, getting at it. <laughs> of a possible exp- uh, I guess exp- expansion or expansion uh, team or teams. Um, is, is it fair? Well, ask a question where you can actually answer it, Kamish. Um, <laughs> um, are there, are there any particular locations in the U S that the league is really, uh, uh, really looking into rather than others? Well, so a couple of things, I mean, so that job listing has evoked a lot of interest. It's, <laughs> Probably related to our Albany team, okay. uh, which is already there. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as expansion, like we're being very careful and and very thoughtful about 
exactly how you build a national footprint. So I think what you can expect to see is us taking steps, you know, in a, in a variety of different directions. Right. And, and you know, obviously we're, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to make it efficient. So, you know, we're not going to put a team out and, you know, our two expansion teams are not going to be one in Portland and one in L.A. Right. Okay. I can just tell you that, right? We're we're gonna we're gonna try to keep it tight geographically, grow incrementally, um, because we know that the most important thing we can do is be, you know, careful with our money and build sustainably. Right. Okay. Now I, I and I I have to I have to at least try this. Um, oh boy. I know the, the cities <laughs> that you the cities that are that the league are potentially looking into. Uh, are they? New AFL cities, or have they been at AFL cities before? Yeah. <laughs> Great answer. There you go. <laughs> well, here's a, here's, a, bit of, here's a, a strategy question regarding uh, expansion. Again, you don't have to get into specifics, but I thought it was interesting that um, Atlantic City is very much a tourist city, and I know that it, it heavily tied into the betting strategy and the direction of the league in that regard. But I'm curious what your perspective is on the success or trajectory of Atlantic city and how it made you think differently, possibly about expanding into tourism based markets instead of a localized market like Albany and, and that kind of thing. Okay. So, so that, that that's a, like, I, that's actually a couple of really good questions. Um, so let me, let me see if I can break them down. Okay. Um, one of the, one of the objectives with Atlantic city was to be in a market where it was all about sports betting. And so have a team there and, and use that as an opportunity to try to figure out like, what are the right relationships to have in those markets? Mm. How actually can we integrate sports betting into our game? So, so we thought that gave us, um, you know, like a really interesting testing bed. I will also tell you that, you know, there's a marketing aspect to it as well. And so having a team, you know, we're a pro sports betting league. And so we have a team called the Atlantic City Blackjacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was not accidental. Okay. Um, so, so we see it as a testing bed for um, how we can form the right relationships, the right partnerships with the sports betting world and with casino operators and hotels in Atlantic City. And and I think, ultimately, unlike a lot of um, other sports venues, we probably end up looking in Atlantic City like it's six events a year. You know, right, right. Concerts, yeah, it's parties, but, it's, but it's six events. And it's, you know, maybe it becomes kind of a marketing showcase for the league. Right. I, that that's you know we have the opportunity to do things like that so i i think that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. um you know as far as sports spending more generally i mean we we kind of have a relationship on both sides so i i think we have a game that can drive revenue for sports spending operators but i also think that we have a game that sports bettors more generally are, are going to find attractive. So part of our objective has been to, you know, make sure we've got a really solid, extensible data stream for all the, anyone who wants to license it. And, and we make ourselves as friendly as we can to sports bettors, right? Give them access to data, you know, be transparent in our decision-making, promote uh, sports betting, 
So that's, that's what we're trying to do. Okay. So I was wondering, so in terms of marketing, um, the league at one point very recently was sort of leaning into the OTT platform concept. And I think, you know, part of the issue with that was just accessibility. If you're trying to get people interested in sports betting, they're not necessarily sign up for, you know, a proprietary uh, platform. Um, so I'm curious, though, like what went into the decision process to distribute the games through ESPN3, um, sort of go away from AFL now, uh, and, and sort of how to distribute the AFL? Okay, so that, that's a really great question. Um, and we it's something that, you know, media distribution strategy is something we spend a lot of time thinking about. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, we played last year, and one of the reasons we played last year with four teams was to burn off a deal with CBS Sports that was not uh-huh. done. Okay. Um, so, so that was one of the big reasons we played, um, because it gave us certainty on that. And then, you know, we went into this season, we struck a deal, our games are carried on ESPN3, and, you know, I, I, I will tell you a couple of things. One you know, we're out raising third-party capital. And that's, you know, we, we, we run this league, and this is my background, having come from AOL way back in the olden days. Um, like, we run it like a startup. Like, it's a venture opportunity. And um, so when you, when you look at it that way, you make slightly different decisions about how much risk you take, which directions you go, um, so that's, I don't know, that's, that's, that's kind of where we go. Right. Okay. That makes sense. John? So enough with the uh, hard-hitting questions. Kamish, <laughs> uh, where, can, where can the fines, uh, where, can, where can the fines, where can the fans find you for the next couple weeks if they want to say hi to you at the games? <laughs> Are you going to so be uh, I know for. So, you know, my, my schedule is kind of an ever-changing thing. Um, and I, I try to go to as many games as I can, consistent with having, like, children and social life and working. Um, but uh, so I know for a fact that I'm going to be in Atlantic City on the 21st for that game. That's a Sunday afternoon game. Okay. And I, 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 I have been roping my kids into that. And, like, my son, who's 23, I'm like what do you guys not like about this, right? It's arena football. You come, there's a casino. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to promote like bad things, but I also was 23 once. So, um, right. <laughs> I feel like it's an attractive opportunity. So I know for a fact, I'll be there. And then, you know, I, you know, we're heading into playoffs, right? I mean, which I think is, we're going to have an awesome playoffs this year. Yeah. I think. No, I do too. And you know, we've got, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Commissioner. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You go ahead. I'm okay. sorry. Well, I was going to. You're talking about playoffs, and it, and it, it also goes back to something that uh, was brought up earlier um, when you talk when the, we brought up the expansion. You also mentioned in your tweet uh, that Arena Bowl was going to be held on Sunday, August 11th. First thing I want to do, and, and it, there may be a question after you answer this question back, but is that is Sunday, August 11th, the, the actual date of Arena Bowl this year? I, yeah, I believe so. That's, we, we talked about this with ESPN, so okay, believe so. So uh, my, my follow-up question then is, uh, being that the Arena Football League has not held a Sunday 
uh, Arena Bowl in 10 seasons. Uh, do you think that that will hurt or actually help the game? Now, I understand that the, usually uh, leagues can be tied in by the actual broadcast partner. But being that it has changed for, I said, in 10 seasons, it was on, I think, mostly on Saturdays. Do you think this may hurt, uh, let's say, uh, the fans who want to travel to the Arena Bowl to experience the, the championship game? So, I, I, I mean, I hope not. I, I mean, certainly not our intention. But, I mean, I, I guess the way I look at it is, um, I, I mean, number one, ESPN came to us and said they would like a Sunday afternoon okay. game. So, I'm like, okay, that, that, that matters. And, um, you know, as we have looked at the data from the season, it's kind of interesting because for the last several years, arena football has largely been played in the evening, right? It's a lot of Friday and Saturday night days. Right. And as we, and I don't, like, we haven't formed a view on this yet, but as we're looking at it, there's some evidence to suggest that our viewership numbers are substantially higher during the afternoons on Saturdays and Sundays. And we've had a handful of Sunday games and actually the results have been really good. So I, I, so I think that's part of it. Like we, we have to figure out where, you know, where we fit in our fans lives Mm -hmm. and, and, and then adjust accordingly. But I, I also think, um, you know, as you, as you, look at something like this, like this is a huge opportunity for us, right? We're going to be on ESPN too. You know, we're going to have a really large audience. So to me, you know, like getting a Sunday afternoon game, which like that's when they play the Super Bowl, right? right. Like early evening. Yeah. I mean, NFL games are, you know, one and, and four. Yeah. Okay. We can, we can play our games in the afternoon. <laughs> okay. And be like, <laughs> And be like the rest of professional football. Yeah. So I, I, I think what we want to do is we just want to look at it and see, you know, let's make an informed decision. Right. But, but I will tell you, based on what we've been seeing so far, there's a lot of support for moving more games to the afternoon. Okay. Okay. Um, one thing I haven't been able to ask you about when it comes to broadcasting and stuff like that, um, I'm sure John, Ben, and myself can actually state that we are actually very happy with the broadcast teams that the new AFL network has, uh, has been uh, broadcasting with. Um, what, uh, whose decision was it to actually bring in a combination of not only of a, a great play-by-play guy, but also, uh, uh, wow, uh, long-time vets of the Arena Football League to be the color commentators? Well, okay, so, so one of the things that we have going for us that has been fantastic is our partnership with the Monumental Sports Network, mm-hmm. and they produce all of our games. And when you watch our games on TV, they look great. Yes. You know, I mean, the, the graphics pass packages are awesome. The replays are great. They, we, we really, I mean, that is a top-notch production. So, um, and, and to me, that's a huge... Um, strategic advantage because we can produce our games. Our games ultimately are entertainment, right? Yes. You either want to go in person or you want to watch it. So it's entertainment. So production values matter. And we, if we have a highly produced, really professional looking game, that's that's awesome because we can distribute that in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I'm really happy. And as far as how we made decisions on talent, 
I mean, we, we, what we, what we looked to do, we had six teams this year. So we basically said, all right, so we need basically three teams, right. Um, so that we can manage the schedule. We can have three games every week. Right. And so that, you know, we found people and, you know, we went out and found some sideline, um, talent. So, I mean, I, you know, and that's the other thing I think we get to do is, you know, we can be a, um, a proving ground for people, like for people who want to work in media, right? And they're looking for a sideline job. Well, you can start with us. I, 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 I think we actually offer a really interesting opportunity. No, my, and this is, and to, uh, one thing about this again, I want to thank the league and thank you and thank the league and thank everybody who was in charge of get, uh, setting up the how, how it is done with the AFL Network broadcast because I honestly think that including, you know, uh, wow, uh, 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 Matt DeRazio, uh, Sed Bonner, uh, you know, all the, all the uh, former players that you have as the color commentators improve the broadcast because you're actually, you know, for those new fans that have come in, you're actually able to not only just show them the game, but having people who have played the game actually make the broadcast even better. So I want to I wanna thank you and the league for, uh, for bringing them in and showing how good the arena football product has been now and in the past. Well, thank you for that. I mean, that, that is deliberate. So, you know, one of the things, like, we, we know we have this really fantastic heritage, and we have so many great players. And so, you know, what, what we are talking about a lot these days is as we expand, like, if there is an opportunity to hire former AFL players, yeah, we're going to do that. Like, we, we want to have, as, you know, we, as many AFL players as we can get, you know, we'll, we'll take them. Because we want to, that's how we want to build. Yeah. Ben. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to say I, I am a huge fan of the branded AFL network. I think it's a great idea. Um, and I do think, I, I'm assuming there are future plans to distribute that further, maybe through sports betting apps and things like that. Um, as for the, the games themselves uh, and getting people to go to them, um, I'm curious how, you know, as a single entity, how having healthy franchises is obviously important, and it does feel that things are more stable than ever uh, in regards to how teams are placed, um, how they stick around. Um, how much does attendance, uh, the health of attendance, factor into decisions you're making, and uh, what do you think about what you m- may have to do to improve it? Well, uh, so, you know, I, I guess the way we look at it is, you know, our, our goal is to get the scale by adding as many local markets as we can right at least to a year and and our and our goal is to get those local markets to break even or profitability in about three years that's that's kind of the time horizon and if we can do that and then grow to scale which will create the opportunity to sell advertising sponsorship mm-hmm. media deals at the league level that that's kind of how we look at the at the strategy going forward. And so as we look at expansion markets, we're looking at not just places. I mean, selling tickets is always important, but it's, it's a factor. Yeah. Right. And, you know, one of the things we're trying to figure out is, you know, at some level, I mean, if you, if you put a team in Chicago and you only have X number of people buying tickets and going to the game, but you have three X, watching the games on TV because it's local, 
then maybe you've done all right. And the, and the funny thing is, is that that will not necessarily get reflected in the local P&L. You know, the fact that you've cultivated a big broadcast audience might not get reflected in the local team P&L. Right. Right. Because it may not translate into ticket sales or, you know, food and beverage or, you know, whatever. So, so we're trying to develop a way to look at all of that and, and, you know, and, and, and put the appropriate values on the appropriate fans. Okay. John. Well, speaking of fan experience and trying to figure out what's appropriate, uh, I'm going to follow up on a question I asked you earlier this season. Have there been any more um, any more things or any more insights into a, um, a video game or something uh, mobile? You know, I mean, it, it, it's something we're obviously interested in. It, it's not... I mean, I, I really think it's one of those things that, you know, once we get to 12, 14, 16 teams, that'll be a conversation we can have. I think right now, I'm not sure we would get value out of it. Okay, fair enough. That's fair. Uh, my last question for you, Commissioner, and we, I don't know, we, we've really, really appreciated your time this evening. Um, it's something that I had actually spoken with John Adams about a few weeks ago. I just wanted to see if I could get a, a follow-up for the fans, if possible. You know, we have been told that... Uh, that the league was looking into making a, a major change in the Arena Bowl Championship trophy. Uh, I was wondering if you were able to, to give us a an update in any way, shape, or form on on, on how that's going and when it when it may be uh, when it may be released. Did John hint about that? Yes, sir. <laughs> so. I mean, yes, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Your reaction during that question was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. The answer is yes. There are going to be changes. Okay. Am I going to announce them tonight? No. Oh no, no, no. It's not that. No, we weren't. As, I wasn't asking you. I just wanted to. Well, see. no, I'm not, I'm not, no, yeah. I'm not giving you hints either. No, okay. there are no hints. Okay. <laughs> I guess like everybody, yeah. Yeah, like everybody else, we will all have to wait. Oh, and I'm just going to say this. Like, it's awesome. I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> there, yeah. that, that's all I need to hear. It's awesome. Okay. I, I'm satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any, any, time, yeah, any timeline when we may see the trophy for the first time? Maybe right before uh, maybe uh, uh, oh, I, media day at Arena Bowl? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Okay. I mean... We haven't even talked about it yet. Okay. It, it, it looks really cool. I'm just going to say that. Good to hear. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. All right, Commissioner. Uh, yeah. Again, we, we really appreciate your time. Um, yeah, obviously, right, you're always welcome to join us here at AFL tonight. And uh, it, we appreciate the, the time and effort that you give to us on Twitter when we ask you questions in the follow-ups. Uh, as one person said earlier this week on Twitter, it's great to see a commissioner interact with the fans. It just shows that the, the league does care about the fans and wants to make sure that they can uh, get the, get out as much information as possible. And I'm sure that uh, I can speak on, on behalf of the three of us. We really greatly appreciate it. Well, guys, you know, I, I, one of the things that I said this publicly, like uh, meeting AFL fans has been so fantastic. I mean, are there times when it's a little scary? Yes. But, um, <laughs> But mostly not. Um, but but no, like I, I'm I'm so impressed with the people who are AFL fans, and they love the game so much. And so 
yeah, we pay attention. We, we listen and, uh, you know, so I, 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 you know, thank you for, for noticing, but of course, like that, like you guys are what makes arena football great. So of course we're always going to listen to you and, um, and, and we appreciate what you guys do for the sport. So well, I gave love me, you a lot. It's always great to have the commissioner, uh, on with us. Um, and you know, we, we don't always expect it. We don't really expect to get any exclusives. I mean, let's, I just want to say that right out, but I mean, we still have to at least ask the question to see what we can get from them. But I think the problem is, is <laughs> I ask questions that are as simple as yes. He gave us an answer about expansion, possible expansion cities, but yes, he I gave him both options. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've ever laughed that much talking <laughs> to the commissioner. <laughs> he did say some very interesting things. I mean, um, John, from what you heard, uh, what was one thing that really stood out from the interview with Commissioner Bo? The fact that we may actually get an announcement of expansion cities for the uh, arena bowl this year, you know, that's always been something that's a rumor or people, you know, fans hope we're going to hear that. Or it's, uh, or it's we, leaked to a local paper and there's never really anything official, that type of thing. Right. And that's gone on for as long as I can remember. So it sounds like we're actually going to have some concrete news in about what, six, seven, eight weeks yeah, tops. Something like that. Yep. 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 Ben, for you, anything that stood out? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were so many things. Um, I, I think one of the – first of all, I, I always have so many questions about the business side of the AFL. And which as I we're love, sort of, by the way, which I love. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's not stuff that we would normally think of. And then it's that like you bring it up and it's like, bam, it's like, oh, crap, I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, and it was great that he engaged on that level. Um, and, and I hope he appreciated sort of getting asked those kinds of questions. Um, and, it, and it was so great to hear the way he – broke down the philosophy of the league itself further and the business direction of the league yeah. itself much further than a quick soundbite that says we're treating the AFL like a start like a startup you know yeah. now we actually understand what that means when you treat the AFL as a startup mm-hmm. it means it means uh, leveraging data that you're getting from fans through betting it means looking at the product as uh, as a business that yes it's a single entity but also, how does how does the single entity philosophy affect how you view attendance, how you view sponsorships, mm-hmm. how you view the league as a whole, where you place teams, and, and the various strategies that they're using to distribute the game? And uh, it's such an exciting and different way to look at arena football that we've absolutely never even come close to having. No. You know, in, in our previous world of of chaos, uh, we finally have. Uh, you know, and it's something that the fans only see the positive side of that. And uh, you know. It's not necessarily as wholesome as as you know. Hey, we're you know we're a band of misfits in a league. This is very much now a different kind of business than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But the fans only see the benefits from that. I, I think for me, being able to hear that, you know, we always we're hearing about the term single entity, which is, is that's really what the Arena Football League is now. But it is, uh, and I think you mentioned it uh, quite a few times in the interview, Ben. Is that it, this? It does not seem this is not your grandfather's arena football league anymore. This is a, a single entity league that is looking at things in a completely different way. And I think one of the ways that really, really just blew my mind is that how he explained it, if there was a team, say, for instance, in Chicago and only an X amount of right. people show up to the game, that's that right there. And I know sometimes we can get caught up and I, even I'll admit this. 
you know, on points per game. There are more analytics to it or the actual attendance itself. Uh, but being able to hear the other point, the other side to it is, is that it's just not how many people showed up. But also, how many? If they, if they, if uh, three times the people list, uh, watch the game, that's one of the variables that they're taking in. It's not necessarily that oh well, this team can't draw, but this team actually is uh, is popular on TV, streaming services, whatever. Right, and and the, and the team is part of an ecosystem, yeah. and that that's something that was really never the case, uh, where the the success of a team. Uh, for viewers that don't even live in the city or that are, are watching because of betting or are watching because they're interested in, in the league as a product, how that benefits the entire business. And that's really interesting. Yeah. It, it, it was, as I said, it's, I've been, you and I, Ben, have been following this league for such a long time and we've seen everything that we can and this is something completely different. Yeah. You know, this is a true single entity and it's being done a completely different way and Things do seem to uh, do seem to be looking up for the for the Arena Football League, and that's just not that's just not lip service. That we're actually we actually think that way. So it's uh, I'm interested to see what happens going forward. Uh, and the moving moving of Arena Bowl, hey, we got almost basic confirmation that the Arena Bowl is going to be on a Sunday this year. So that will be interesting. Um, by looking from what I'm understanding, maybe mid afternoon. So we'll, we'll we'll go from there. So. Um, uh, week 10 of the Arena Football League. And by the way, we're going to try to go over the scenarios coming up as best as possible. We did reach out to the league to try to get some information. But I think the way that the, the way the current standings are, I think it's going to be almost it's going to be quite easy for us to come up with the things. If we're wrong, we will update you accordingly if we do happen to receive the information from the league. Uh, on Friday, uh, it is the Columbus Destroyers uh, traveling to the Baltimore Brigade. The game is going to be on ESPN3, uh, NBC Sports Washington. And locally in Columbus on ABC Six, uh, this is the second time that these two teams have met, and it will be uh, the first uh, time since June fifteenth, where Baltimore knocked them off, uh, uh, only forty four thirty nine. Uh, as we mentioned before, by by, it almost looks like that you know uh, Columbus is out. They're going to be be playing spoiler for the rest of the season. But Ben, what's your thought on this matchup? Is it, and I mentioned it earlier before with Albany Atlantic City, are the rest of these games with Columbus, could whoever they play over the next three weeks, could they be considered trap games? Yeah, I think something we see a lot in the Arena Football League this late in the season when a team has been eliminated is is that a lot of the things that they were stressing about up to this point start to melt away. And, and occasionally... That that really does come down to coaching. Is the coach able to frame the end of the season as, you know, hell, let's just go out and go crazy mm-hmm. and, and let go of a lot of those things that you've been holding on to the whole season and just have fun? And, and sometimes that has such huge success. And then there's other coaches who don't handle it as well. And the team, you know, that, that happened with the Valor in their first season just falls apart. Uh, they just don't have anything anymore. They don't have anything to show for it. So I think there's no way to know besides hearsay that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. whether Columbus has that sort of leadership. But this is going to be a game where we absolutely find that out. You know, they're either going to come out swinging or they're going to look like a shell of, of themselves. So I'm curious. I mean, I think Baltimore still has the obvious upper hand, but I can't wait to see how, how Columbus plays this game. John, if Grant Russell comes out and plays like he had over the, over the before this past week, over the previous two weeks before that, 
does uh, does Columbus actually have a chance at playing spoiler versus Baltimore and and, and severely hurting uh, uh, the chances of Baltimore to become a two seed? It is really going to depend on um, how much he can handle the Brick Squad playing in the background. Um, <laughs> Brick Squad! Brick Squad! <laughs> Yeah, no, but really what it's going to depend on is uh, if Joe Powell and Josh Victoria and the rest of um, Baltimore's defensive backs show up. Um, you know, Grant Russell's gotten better and better every game, and I, I think that they could play spoiler for the rest of the season or, or at least, you know, scare some guys mm-hmm. into thinking they're about to lose a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be going to this game on Friday okay. and in the stands right. and just watching it as a fan taking taking the night off and relaxing so i'll get to enjoy that i'm looking forward to that my question to you guys is is that currently five dimes has baltimore favored by 10 and a half points is that mm. too high to me i think it's just a touch high yeah i agree it's a little high uh i would probably say seven right now yeah. john yeah. Uh, just based on how they played the soul yeah um yeah, I would say seven, seven point five, seven and a half. There, yeah, I mean the the their last two games have only been one and two score games. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which I don't get. I mean, it's not. It's not like. It's not like you know Grant Russell. This is not the same Grant Russell from 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 week two or week three. So it's. I don't know. I don't know where they're getting. I'm curious to know what the over under is because that's not that hasn't been posted yet, but. Uh, either way, I, I I do too. I think I think Columbus can scare them. I think if I think if Grand Russell has a perfect game, I think I think they can knock them off. But other than that, I think uh, uh, Baltimore is gonna either gonna continue to try to decide you know, get themselves that number two spot uh, this week. Um, on Saturday afternoon, Albany travels to play the Philadelphia Soul. Uh, the game will be on ESPN three. NBC Sports, Philadelphia Plus, and my four in Albany. Um, this game, when it comes to scenarios this week, guys, is very, very interesting. Currently, uh, Albany leads the uh, the season series at one nothing with a uh, a plus minus of minus nine. Excuse me, of plus eight. Excuse me, plus nine. Um, and there's a possibility that if they do win this game, well, either way, if they win this game, they will clinch the top seed. Uh, going into the arena bowl, uh, arena bowl playoffs. What's this? This is this is. I think this is an up. It has been an. Uh, yes, the Soul have been winning. Uh, won a few games in a row, but this this Soul team really has been up and down as of as of late. John, how um, uh, you know we talked to I said we talked to Q earlier in the show. Um, what what does Philadelphia have to do in order to to, uh, uh, to I guess to knock them down a peg? I'm not too sure at this point. Um... To be honest with you, Albany's just playing on an entirely different level than the the rest of the league is, and uh, even this all time series, uh, um, you know, it's a it's really been a road series. It has, so, yeah, yeah it's true. Al, Al, Albany's kind of favored for for me at least in that regard as well. So I, I don't I don't know what Philadelphia can do per se. You know, they've got James Romaine and Dwayne Hollis there. And those are some huge key components to this game. But the way Philly's playing offensively, like you said, as of late, they have been up and down. So yeah, BJ Bunn is the yeah. he's 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 one of those different those variables that 
you know, ever since money moved to defense, uh, Bun's been there and it's, he's been, you know, as we've seen, he's, he's a game, he can be a game changer. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see what will happen. Ben, I mean, for you, um, to, can Albany, can Albany survive another close game? Uh, or is it, or is this just, just really one of those good matchups that, that we will see this week? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, to John's point, uh, Atlantic City essentially played uh, Albany about as well as any team could play Albany, yeah. um, aside from maybe defense. So I think the only way the Soul win this game is if they match uh, AC's uh, firepower while stopping them with their with their high-end defense that is a, basically a legendary defense. So there is a possibility there, but the the whole key to that is absolutely, you know, Dan Rodaba having a classic game. There's no other way to win this. He has to have a classic game, and he absolutely is capable of it. So there is a, a reality where this game could be super interesting and really, really fun to watch, and I hope that it's another shootout just for entertainment purposes. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the only way the Soul can win. Um, even with a loss from what we're seeing, even with a loss, uh, if Albany does lose, there's still a possibility that they can clinch uh, the overall number one seed uh, in the playoffs. But uh, we're trying to look at the different var- when it comes to the head-to-heads with Philadelphia because they would be uh, they be tied at 1-1. Uh, then they have the points to deal with and then also the Baltimore situation. But um, as John mentioned earlier, uh, the home, the, excuse me, the road team, is four and one overall in this series, so it does bode well for uh, it does bode well for the uh, for the Empire and also five dimes guys currently has Albany favored at a three and a half point clip. That's wow, yeah, that's I'd, really interesting. I think that's, that's like, like, I think that's, yeah. that's that's pretty dead on though. Yeah, it is dead on if the Soul don't have one of those down games, which like you were saying, they're very capable of doing. Yeah, but you know the Soul have been scoring pretty well recently they've they've had a couple of of low and mid 40s games and that's not going to win this game but no, they do have yeah, yeah game, they yeah. do have a 55 60 point game in them for sure so that may do it it's going to be tight so that could be accurate could easily go down to the one of the games back in june 16th of last year guys where philadelphia won a shootout 75 74 oh such a good game yeah it's very such a good game honestly one of the classics of this era uh, on the, the the last game of Saturday is Atlantic City is traveling to the nation's capital to play the Washington Valor. Uh, ESPN three, uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia plus an NBC Sports Washington will be carrying this game. Uh, we're talking about trap games again. Uh, you know, um, even at five and four, the Washington is still in the hunt to be a number two seed. Um, but I, I still, even with Randy Hippert out, it. It looks like now that with Warren Smith under center, uh, this team can still play. It's just a matter of I think they they need to probably have a perfect game in order to to beat them. But as we've seen, guys, you some some of these teams can control Arvell Nelson quite well, and they do win. Is it right, John? Yeah, that's right. And I actually think Atlantic City might have a good chance to win this game. Um, You know, Warren Smith is used to this building, this environment, and now he's the starter. You know, he used to be on the on the Valor. Um, And the way he lit up Albany, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if he comes into D.C. and does the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Ben. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting quarterback matchup, because if we get the version of Warren Smith, we got 
last week, we've got essentially the two mobile threats of this league playing against each other. And there's definitely firework potential there. Uh, I think Atlantic City has a good shot if they come out blazing like they just did. And uh, it, this is definitely one of those trap games. I don't even know if you can consider it a trap game based on just how well Atlantic City played last week. Um, I, I'd say this is a pretty even matchup. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said that because listen to this. <laughs> Five Dimes currently has Washington favored by 10 and a half. Wow. Well, to me, that's not about that. Is that is that is that a Randy Hippert thing? Because that seems to me a little mind boggling at ten and a half points, Uh, even even more so than the Columbus uh, Baltimore game. It's just totally failing to take into account last week. I mean, that's that's just skipping over last week. I don't really see Atlantic City as like the underdog this week or yeah. or even to rephrase that differently. Okay. Out of all three underdogs this week, I don't think Atlantic City is an underdog. You know, like, right, right, right. I, I'm not I'm not really feeling Columbus to win that game against Baltimore. I'm not really feeling Philadelphia to win against Albany, but I could see Atlantic City winning in D.C., Interesting. For sure. Remember the, the last time that these two teams did play was back in May 11th. Atlantic City only lost by seven points to to the, to the Valor. So, um, yeah, I you know what, guys, I, I think I, I I really think I would label this as a trap game. I really think, and I'm going to agree with both. I really think that Atlantic City has a great chance at winning this game. Uh, you know, don't underestimate uh, Coach James. Don't underestimate Warren Smith at all. So. And doesn't Atlantic? We were talking about Atlantic City's playoff hopes, mm-hmm. and uh, they have to win out. They got to win out. Yeah, and not only that. So doing some math, that so Columbus is eliminated already mathematically, and if Atlantic City has to win out and they lose one, that means they're out. Mm-hmm. So that means the top four teams would be. Albany, Washington, Baltimore, and Philadelphia. That's correct. And by the way, we're, this thing, uh, even though we didn't get the, uh, the information from the, the league on the scenarios, we actually did get the stuff that John just mentioned actually is from the Atlantic City game notes this week. They actually do state that uh, basically won and uh, lose and out. Uh, it's, uh, but it, 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 it makes sense. They're the currently three and six. No teams getting into, the, into these playoffs, I don't think, with seven losses. So... Um, and by the way, they also, this would be, they would also break their streak too, because Atlantic City currently is 0-5 on the road. So let's, they need to, they need to prove that they can win on the road. So, um, we have, we are grateful for, um, for Quentin and for the commissioner coming on the show. Um, we, we love talking to them guys. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else you want to mention before we go, but, uh, it's, uh, we, we're going to try to get some more interviews for you guys. And I mean, if you have any comments uh, on our concerns or just questions uh, about the, about the two interviews or anything on the show this week, uh, you can reach out to me and the guys at tim.caparatarenafen.com, or you can reach out to us over on social media. Uh, that is over at Facebook, over at Instagram or, or over on Twitter. That's at slash arena fan. And if you want to listen to any of the past uh, shows, uh, you can listen to, to up to the last three over on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash arena fan. Or if you want to listen to the archive, multiple shows in the archive, you can listen to uh, that would be over at uh, Google play music over at Spotify. 
uh, or at um, uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, guys, any last questions before we finish up this week? Uh, you know, obviously, I know it was a long show. I, I appreciate your time, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, we we just well, we love talking about the league. What can we say? Yeah, this was honestly one of my favorite shows I've ever done um, with you guys. I think uh, this this was a really good episode. It just had so much. Uh, the interviews were so exceptional, and I. I I will reiterate, as much as we say this, it is so great to have a commissioner who is this transparent and this accessible and this interested in uh, opening a dialogue with the people who care about the league most. And, you know, take it for granted, but that that was not really always the case. So great couple of interviews and uh, a great night with the boys, the bad boys of AFL podcasting, just doing another one. Yes, and uh, I know just so if anybody we talked about at the beginning of the show, Ben, if they want to watch the newest 50-yard short with Malachi, how would they do so? Uh, probably the easiest way would be to go to Instagram.com slash 50-yard dash, and the link is in the bio. Nice. John, yourself, uh, any any other comments on the show itself? Uh, I really enjoyed that show, this show. Uh, well, you know, I say that about <laughs> almost every show that we do. And I say I love this show so much, and um, I had a great time. But also, in relation to this 50-yard dash documentary, if you want to see the the behind-the-scenes photos, uh, you can look me up on Facebook, uh, uh, John Stark, or you can go to Instagram. The photos are on there, too, and that's at 553. And... yeah, I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of fans out here. And by the way, Ben, uh, huge props. Uh, we we appreciate you 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 putting your sh- putting this show into your your latest fifty yard shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like the snake eating its tail. I, I had to get that, it in there because when you mentioned that last week, I thought you were yanking my chain, but no, you were telling the truth, man. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to get I had to get a Timmy Capper soundbite. It felt appropriate. It feels like I was connecting the worlds. Oh, you know. <laughs> I love this show, too. Um, (laughs) 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 All right, guys. I hope you have a good week. And same to you, fans. Enjoy Week 10 action of the Arena Football League. The the playoffs are just around the corner. So everybody here at AFL Tonight, for John Stark, for Ben Fraternale, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net.